Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales ops onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by EBSA, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement, and is sponsored by the Global Sales Operations Association and the UK Revenue Operations Network. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Today, we're joined by somebody from one of my favorite businesses to have on the show. Um, actually, I think it's a record because this is the third time we've had someone on the show from the same business. So Robert Munoz joins us from Forrester. And the reason I love having the Forrester team on is because A, they all have awesome industry experience. When I say awesome, I mean like really, really deep industry experience. But then, of course, due to the nature of the Forrester's business, uh, uh, in very deep in today's trends. So, Robert, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And so let's kick off because I, I want to take us back about a decade, which I believe, Robert, was when you first started in sales ops. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, in, in fairness, I actually had a had a dual role prior to that. When I was in sales, my background has primarily has been within sales, and sales ops was the later half of that. Um, so prior to that, it was actually a dual role uh, doing application sales, leading an application consultant team, and sales ops, and that was kind of the first transition. And then it was dedicated to sales ops. Got it. That, that makes sense. And kind of the reason I ask is because I'm trying to track back to the origin of this, uh, the, of this uh, whirlwind that we've had over the past 10 years. And you said that you, uh, it, it was when you joined HP, I believe, that you went into the full-time sales role. Was that around the time that you saw the role, role being formalized or had you seen it around previously? Yeah, that, in, in fairness here, the, the transition uh, was 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 prior to that. Uh, my my background has been primarily a technical sales background, sales engineering, <clears throat> pre sales support. Right, did you know was branch manager sales, uh, led sales teams from uh, you know across uh, across large enterprise 
uh, organizations. But uh, over that time, I really evolved to really wanting to get more into the business side of operations and realizing as new reps were coming on board, as seasoned reps were really, you know, peaking and doing a great job in penetrating key accounts, I was realizing a lot of the challenges that were happening sometimes and just here's a new year and, oh, do we have quotas? Do we have accounts? Do we have clarity on how we're going to go to market? And all those things that you kind of realize, hey, there's a loss of momentum or you have folks that are not fully engaged and realizing, hey, there's a better way to ensure that day one, um, we have everybody ready to go, very focused, very targeted, know exactly what to do, where to go, how to engage. And so that kind of drove me, again, being more on the technical side of building and creating and problem solving to say, okay, I need to try to help problem solve the business. So that drove me to, uh, to the operation side. And, uh, and so as I was doing, um, applications consulting, uh, leading a team of application consultants, uh, I started getting into, uh, the operation side because that's really what I want to do. I want to help more broadly optimize the sales organization in terms of, uh, how they engage, be they direct sellers, or, uh, you know, technical roles, uh, specialist roles. That makes total sense. And so then you, you were split within that role between the operational side and the selling side, and then you moved fully into operations. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I, I, uh, uh, when I joined HP, I was, I was dedicated, uh, focused on, uh, supporting applications at the time, uh, for the networking division. Uh, which uh, was uh, an acquisition uh, that some years prior uh, had become part of the uh, uh, the HP family, and it was really building out across uh, North America, across the U.S., uh, how that team should be structured, how the territories should be set up, the quoted employees, right, the things that we're all familiar with uh, operationally, and so that that kind of began to, if you would, dedicated in that in that arena, and then leveraging. You know, obviously, the the insight of of having technical teams, product teams, uh, as well as direct uh, generalist sales teams. How do we orchestrate bringing them together? Not just how do we set up the structure, but how do we set up the process for all the things that need to happen from start, you know, to finish in the sales cycle. Yeah, we had a guest on recently who was saying the. The sales engineer, or the, the more technical resource in the sales process, is oh, his argument was that they essentially provide most of the value in the sale, yet get uh, a fraction of the commission. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Robert? Well, I, I would say that that uh, there's there's probably some truth to that. Although I would say that I think the the technical role has involved where there are. Uh, the pay structure difference that used to exist uh, with, let's say, generalist sales role and specialty roles, depending on the industry, um, uh, those those shifts have occurred to make it very rewarding as well for um, <clears throat> uh, for a, a a specialist or technical role. But I would say there still certainly is a de- is a delta, and in many cases, that is why some technical. Solution architects, sales engineers, or specialists eventually decide 
to make the move and become, you know, a strategic account manager because it's like, hey, I've been talking about roadmaps and technologies and trends and how this all can transform and, you know, do all these things anyways. You know, I have no problem having this kind of conversation with uh, not just the technology or IT side, but also the business side. So uh, we do see some folks that make that transition for that reason. Makes sense. Now, the sales organization you were kind of sculpting and I don't know if they're managing, but I guess operating uh, HP was a significant scale. If you could share one learning with uh, the sales of people in the audience who are also kind of operating at that scale, what would that piece of advice be looking back at those? I think it was approximately, uh, not, not a decade, but approximately eight years you spent at HP. Yeah, I, I think the key, the, the number one thing that I would say is seek alignment and clear communication with all your stakeholders. <clears throat> because when you're, especially in a, even though this can apply even to smaller emerging uh, organizations, especially in large uh, cross-functional organizations that have a lot of uh, teams and, and entities, it's really important. You can be doing the absolute best optimization of the sales organization and the processes, but it's really essential to have good communication and clarity where everyone is aligned, your marketing counterparts, your sales counterparts, your services team, your finance team. Um, so everyone is aligned to why things are being done a certain way, uh, to what degree they're going to contribute to the success of the business, where there's risk or exposure, where things need to be changed or there needs to be some adjustments, and where you prioritize uh, investments and decisions. So I think that's key. And what I, what I do often see, uh, you know, certainly with many of the clients that, uh, that we, you know, consult and we, and we help with is they may have good processes or they may have, you know, a lot of well intended actions to improve the effectiveness of the sales organization. But if they're not articulated, if they're not understood and aligned and they're kind of worked in a silo, then you're not going to have the buy in, uh, and it's going to be very difficult to execute. And, uh, uh, sales ops should never be in a role where they're doing something to sales. They are there as the partner and as the ambassador representing and being the strongest advocate for sales. Uh, so you want to be sure that they, everybody feels good that you are there supporting their efforts. Makes total sense. But what I would ask back is that at everything you said, crucial for sure, but is a very soft skill set. Right. And so when I say soft, I mean like the, the, the people side versus the data analysis side. So do you think then that if you are operating a larger sales operation, that places more importance on those soft skills? Uh, or do you think there's no difference between uh, the, the soft, the mix of soft or hard skills you need if you're operating a, a $1 billion sales organization versus a hundred thousand? The, the soft skills definitely are important. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to say that. Uh, I, I don't want to minimize the understanding of of the core process, technology, operational excellence uh, elements that go in place. But they absolutely are uh, are important, and I certainly would encourage um, you know 
those those of our you know those of your listeners that are uh, you know in the midst of their career track and looking to continue to evolve and grow, make investments in developing your uh, you know your soft skills, your communication skills, your networking, articulating value, business value, uh, in listening, right, in taking feedback, positive feedback and negative feedback, extremely important, right. Um, if, if you're doing something that is not optimum, get that feedback. You want to hear that. That's welcome, right? And uh, if you're not getting negative feedback, you're probably not in a good place because everyone's kind of just saying, oh, you're doing a great job, right? You want to hear that. That's how you truly get a good pulse for what's working, what isn't. And you are able to then shift and really, you know, we got to operate in the real world, right? It's very nice. 50,000 foot view to say, these are the things that we should do. And yes, we need a vision. We need to know where we're going. We need to be aligning on those strategic goals. And then we need to operationalize and get alignment across them. But it has to be fact-based. So um, yeah, work on your soft skills, develop them, because at the end of the day, you can have very good processes. But if when you, you know, work with your sales leaders, your cross-functional uh, leads, your marketing leaders, and you are trying to transform, right? On behalf of the sales leader, you're trying to help evolve the sales organization and transform them to being more digitally enabled, to being more customer obsessed, you know, to being much more effective, to drive better customer experience, um, to be better sellers. Uh, as, you, as you drive in that direction, you have to be able to articulate that uh, you have to be able to speak with a sense of conviction. And a lot of that comes from soft skills. Um, and, and that comes from, you know, the more you do it, every time you have an opportunity to communicate or express, uh, listen to others, learn from others, see what works well. But don't undervalue the soft skills because they can become that kryptonite where you kind of just can't go any further because you know what? Tom is really, really good at this, but I just, uh, you know, I just can't envision Tom, you know, uh, having the ability to uh, to inspire uh, or motivate or, or drive others. So uh, definitely make that investment. Uh, it's an investment in yourself, and you got to just be very, uh, very candid and honest about where the things that uh, one should be working on. Final question on this, because I do want to get into the exciting stuff, e.g. the trends uh, in sales ops right now. You mentioned invest. One way is obviously to seek feedback from stakeholders. Is there another way that you would recommend somebody within sales ops investing in their soft skills? I, I don't know, maybe like doing Dale Carnegie, Carnegie's public speaking course, for example, um, or if, if it's something you've done that's had a big, big impact. Yeah, <clears throat> I think public speaking is certainly very important. Um, again, because my background wasn't sales, I mean, I, I did executive briefings and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I, I would encourage, again, depending on what exposure you've had, uh, to that or what comfort level you have, uh, take every opportunity you have, uh, even internally within, within the organization, when there's an opportunity to present some updates, you know, even if it's just, a you know, a 15-minute update with the sales organization on some new process that's going on or uh, something that's going to be launched or some best practices uh, that can be rolled out. Take those opportunity uh, to put together that kind of messaging 
Uh, messaging should not be based on, you know, 10 slides that we're going to go through, right? It's about what you can articulate, what you can inspire, what you can help folks to get and say, why do I care, right? Why is this important? How does it affect me? And, and to really create that kind of lasting impression that next time, boy, I want to, I want to hear what he or she has to say again, because last time it was informational, not here we go again, right? Um, so yeah, I would invest in that, be it external courses, uh, external, you know, speaking engagements, or really just internally take the opportunity, volunteer, uh, to address a topic. If it's within your space and domain in your knowledge area, volunteer to do a small presentation or update or orchestrate a, a, a workshop uh, to get that kind of experience. And the other thing is certainly learn from others. If there's others in the organization, try to learn and see what they're doing. And, and it's okay to get mentored by others and have uh, them provide feedback. Awesome. Now let's talk about trends today. If you, well, what I'd like to do here, because we're not going to have time to go into multiple, um, it would be great if you could share two or three trends that you guys are seeing uh, coming through into 2021 for sales ops. And then we can maybe select one to go a little bit deeper on. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this can certainly be a, a very lengthy and meaty discussion, but for the time that we have, <clears throat> Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on I'll touch on a, on a few. Uh, so obviously, we all understand that the pandemic has accelerated uh, trends that have been brewing for a while, and has just brought them to the forefront. Um, so I, I'd say at the top of the list uh, would be the reality that certainly in a B two B environment, and there may be you know many of you that that are in the B two C space. Uh, but in particular, in the B2B space, we see what has been happening in, in B2C for a while. Today's B2B buyers, they want that personalized, connected experience. They want to have the choice to buy the way they want to buy. Today, I want, you know, I am really trying to figure out something complex and I want to speak to Tom. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to do something pretty straightforward. And I just, you know, I want to do it myself. Let me just go to portal, get the information I need. Don't waste my time. Don't mess with me. <clears throat> I need a little detail. I want to send a note and send it to me. I want to consume the way I want to consume. And oh, by the way, I want to do it now. I don't want to have to wait. And oh, by the way, I don't want to have to explain to you who I am and what I'm all about. I expect you to know that. I expect you to know me, dig me, know everything about me so that you can help me. Otherwise, don't really waste my time. So B2B buyers increasingly are looking for that personalized experience. They don't want to be sold to. They want you to help solve their problems. And so that's a real shift. Uh, and, and that requires uh, really not just the technology enablement, which is very important. Folks have to have the right tool sets. But I think certainly in this pandemic, we all understand that there's a lot of um, ability to communicate effectively with a lot of the foundational uh, tool sets that are out there. What folks need to understand is what are the best practices uh, to leverage them. So, so that would be one. The other one that I would, I would call out is that organizations need to be increasingly uh, more adaptive. 
Uh, and by, by that, I mean, typically at the start of a fiscal year, there's annual sales plans that are put together, right? This is our strategic plan, right? Here are segments. Here's our go-to-market. Here's our quotas. Here's our coverage model and deployment, right? And we launch. And then what happens? Well, somewhere along the way, there's changes in the market and some industries and some sectors, or there's some internal changes. But what happens to that plan? The plan, for the most part, is kind of cast in concrete. Well, that's the plan. We have to execute on that. And that's kind of like saying, you know, I'm going to do a road trip from, you know, from one side of the country to the other. And I'm going to put in my GPS and somewhere in the middle of the road, it's going to say, oh, there's a, you know, there's a detour, there's a blockage and go, well, I'm sorry. No, we can't go around. This is our path. We got to go through this. Or if not, we're just going to have to stand here and we're going to, we're going to have to wait hours until this clears. No, of course not. We route around, we adjust. And as a business, uh, in today's environment, if we're truly going to be competitive, and this is very much, I think, uh, a call out for sales operations leaders, we have to look at new ways that enable us to adapt more. And that means that we have to have a new way of thinking. That means that we need to be able to align with marketing, customer success, you know, HR, uh, you know, finance each of our cross-functional stakeholders and say, look, we're going to do the best we can and the appropriate diligence, and we're going to align on all the business assumptions in our uh, strategic plan uh, for the new year. But we know that there's going to things that are going to come up that are going to require us to shift investment or make adjustments or reassign so we're going to agree that that's the reality and we are going to make changes, right? So what we need to do is we need to agree on how we're going to operate in that dynamic so that we can capture opportunity when it presents itself as opposed to saying, well, we only have 10 reps in this market, but this whole thing just blew up and there's this whole thing that's happening in the market. That's all. No, we, we can shift or wait a minute, this isn't working over here. We can move and so on. So that would be, that would be the second is we've got to be much more resilient much more dynamic, and we've got to operate in a different mode. And those that are able to do that are going to be much more competitive, are going to have lower cost of acquisition, lower cost to serve, and we'll be able to have more of, life, of that lifetime value that everyone is seeking. So, and those that don't uh, will progressively, um, you know, be challenged uh, to stay profitable and growing. That was a lovely, well, succinct overview of two trends. So the first was talking about how the B2B buyer wants to buy the way they want to buy, they don't want to be sold to, and they don't want to have to sit through two hours of product demos if they just want to do this specific thing. And the second being that we should the plans we set at the year should not be set in stone because things change and therefore you shouldn't stick with that initial plan just because that was the plan at the start of the year. Those two make total sense. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that we could probably go on talking about sales ops trends for the next half an hour, but we do have to close now. And I need to ask you, Robert, the possibly the most important question of the interview, which is who in the world of sales ops would you most like to take for lunch? Um, well, uh, this is probably going to be uh, rather anticlimactic. Um, I. Uh, I generally, uh, I generally 
look outside of sales operations for inspiration. Uh, so I look for inspiration at those folks that have taken very complex um, or areas that are have not been navigated before and and tried to bring clarity and structure uh, to them. Uh, so um, again, you know, I, I, I'd say inspiration. This is again going to sound cliche, but folks like like an Elon Musk, right, that has taken stuff that has not been done before and say, well, wait a minute, no. This there is a way that this can be done, and there is a way, and actually build out the process, build out the foundational elements to make those things possible. And I think we need to think in general a little bit out of the box and understand that the world is accelerating and it's change, and we need to uh, recognize what continues to be foundational that still is relevant, and what are the things that need to adapt uh, and evolve uh, and try to make that possible. It's a great answer. It's a great answer. As things change, we need to, like Elon Musk, go back to first principle thinking um, and really, I guess, adapt to what's happening now, which ties in nicely with some of your earlier points as well. Robert, um, as I said, I always really enjoy having uh, people from Forrester on the show. Thank you so much for joining. Where can the audience find more about you and Forrester? Uh, I, I mean, I'm certainly on LinkedIn. You're welcome to, um, to reach out uh, to me there. And, uh, you know, for any additional information, certainly on our, our website. Forrester.com. Everything will be linked below this uh, video, either in the show notes or on the blog post. Robert, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Tom. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.